Welcome to the Stats Matter Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Gagne. Today, we're going to bring up uh, plenty of subjects um, after our about six-month absence from the podcasting world. Um, right now, we're under some college football season, um, so we're going to get a little bit into that. We got some college basketball starting up on Wednesday, so we're going to bring in some uh some key facts, um, some key games for this week, and then my top five teams to watch. Um, and then we're going to bring up uh, a little bit of the NFL. Um, I know we still got a Monday night game later tonight. I'll bring out a little bit of a preview and then tell you what exactly the playoff look looks like right now. Then a couple of baseball news. Um Within Major League Baseball, not a whole lot going on right now with free agency not underway yet. It will be pretty soon. And then a new topic, which is the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League, along with FIFA. Although FIFA right now, there's not much going on there. But it's the English Premier League and UEFA Champions League we're going to make a focus on um, in the topic of soccer. Um, which has been a huge blessing to watch during COVID and honestly has made me a huge fan of the game. So let's get right into it. Uh, College football. So, we had some pretty good games over the week. Um, Or over the weekend, excuse me. So... First of all, I want to talk about this game between Minnesota and Purdue. Um, Purdue looked like they had scored a game-winning touchdown with like th- about 30 seconds to go. And it, and it looked like it was fine. But then the official called offensive pass interference, which is one that doesn't hardly ever get called. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, okay, let me, I want to see a replay again. I'm, I'm sitting there watching this replay, I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there like, how how does the ref have the audacity to even think about a penalty? The guy's not even touching him. Like, there's a difference between, like, some hand fighting, some shoving or whatever. No, they they weren't, like, the receiver had to even touch him. The defensive player wasn't even touching him. And he called it from the, their backs, so he must, the official must have had a really bad angle to think, oh, this is pass interference on the offense. He's pushing off of the defender. I, I, I still can't believe it. And then the next play, Purdue throws an interception to lose the game 34-31. to Now, as someone who is just about to be certified as a high school official in the state of Michigan, uh, hopefully soon, I'm still working on it, it is really annoying when you look at people who have been doing this for years, who are either in the pros or college. I understand high school. High school, a little different. That's a whole other ball game right there. But in college, the high college levels, and in the professional levels, you're supposed to be good at what you're doing. But in this case, this was. So so messed up. And what shocks me the most is I understand an official with a bad angle when they make a bad call. But that's why there's like six or seven other people on the field with you in the same uniform. 
did not any of them think, huh, there's no way that's past interference and try to convince him? I don't think so. Because obviously it didn't work. Because they still called the penalty. One flag came out. No, It wasn't multiple people looking at the same thing. It was one person threw a flag. And it wasn't really even his call. And so... That's sad because it literally cost the team the game. I mean, they had the game in the bag at that point. It, it, was, it would have been a touchdown. It would have been at least 37-34, Purdue. Maybe 38 if they make the extra point. Maybe not. But Minnesota only had like 30 seconds to work with. The, the chances are slim to none. The game's basically over. Now, we, we, we've seen dramatic comebacks before. But I'm just trying to use this as an example. Like, this, this call literally changed the outlook of a game. Is it... If, if you weren't even paying attention, you just looked at the score. Oh, Minnesota won 34-31. Like, oh, okay, they got Purdue. No surprise. Well, really, it should read at least 37-34 Purdue. should be, oh, Purdue got them at the last second. But they did not. All right, moving on. Um, I watched this the ending of this amazing game between 25th-ranked Tulsa and Tulane. Tulsa scoring... Um, on a Hail Mary to end the regulation to force overtime. And then it's tied 24-24. Tulane's got the ball first in the second overtime and throws a pick six to end the game. I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I'm watching this game, I'm like, no way. I'm like, of course this is going to happen. They score on a Hail Mary to force overtime and then they're going to win the game on a pick six. That's great. An excellent ending to that game. And not to mention Tulsa was playing with their third string quarterback because the other two quarterbacks got hurt in the game. Ought to say, kudos to that third string quarterback because they were also down 14 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> oh, it was great. Alright, some more to get to. Um, my Liberty Flames, ranked number 21, they were undefeated. Until Saturday night when they lost to North Carolina State by a score of 15 to 14. Simple for that, like it was offensive struggle for both teams. But Liberty really shot themselves in the foot when they made a dumb play call. When you have first and 10 in your own three yard line, their running back's running around on the goal line. And he gets tackled in the end zone, so they give up two points there. So at the time, it's 14 9 Liberty. And NC State, they can't really get anything going. And then our quarterback threw a pick. And the the defender, amazing play. He just jumped the route and it was a diving interception. Pretty nice. I'll give him credit for that. The unfortunate part for Liberty was that was inside their own 30-yard line. They scored a touchdown. That they, Yeah, NC State... They won the game, 15-14. Kudos to them. They blocked the game-winning field goal attempt with a minute 30 to go. Oh, it was it was heartbreaking because they came that close to winning again. They would have been 9-0. They'd never been 8-0 in the first place. So 9-0 would have been impressive. 
But, I mean, hey, you can't, you can't win them all. And for Liberty, they already beat two ACC schools this year, beating Syracuse and Virginia Tech. If they would have been North Carolina State as well, I mean, might as well just sign Liberty up for the ACC. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right, we're going to get through a lot more of these games real quick here. Um, so, Kyle Trask of Florida, um, 383 passing yards, three touchdowns in their win over Vanderbilt, 38-17. to Number three, Ohio State. They looked comfortable against number nine, Indiana, up 42-21. to But Indiana made it look close at the early fourth quarter, but was not able to pull it off. Ohio State wins it 42-35 to remain undefeated. Number eight, BYU, continues their dominance in the Mountain West area as they move to 9-0 with a 66-14 win over North Alabama with Zach Wilson. Get this, only 10 of 16 passing for 212 yards and 4 touchdowns. Just to think, 4 of his 10 completions were for touchdowns. I mean, yeah, they were playing a pretty crappy FCS school, but, I mean, they got the job done. Number 11, Oregon survives against unranked UCLA, 38-35, in former head coach's Chip Kelly's return to Oregon. Number 7, Cincinnati hung on against Central Florida, also known as UCF, 36-33. Number 19, Northwestern knocked off number 10, Wisconsin, 17-7, which was a great game, great defensive battle. Um, Wisconsin was just really sloppy with the football. That would be their uh, Northwestern's first top 10 win since the mid-1990s. Number 18, Oklahoma. And here's the thing. This is not a surprise to me. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Most of the time it goes to Oklahoma. I'm not surprised by this. Number 18, Oklahoma, beat number 14, Oklahoma State. 41-13 in Bedlam. And then two games that were canceled or postponed at the moment was number 4, Clemson, against Florida State. And number 5, Texas A&M versus Ole Miss. And then there's like 10 other games as well that were postponed. The one that gets me is Clemson-Florida State because they postponed the game like an hour before kickoff. Why would you postpone it if you're already at, like in Tallahassee or in um, Clemson, South Carolina? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but Dabo Sweeney had this to say about Florida State, calling them cowards and saying and using COVID as the only way to get out of this game. I mean. He's not wrong. I mean, if it weren't for COVID, there's no way Florida State gets out of this game. And with Florida State and their struggles, and then Clemson with their dominance the last four years, you're sitting there like, if you're a Florida State fan, you do not look forward to that game. And for them, they got another week without having to play them. We'll see what happens. Next upcoming week, and I will not be 
say in any ranks along with these teams because one, the AP pool did come out on Sunday at two o'clock, like it always does. But this week on Tuesday night, the college football playoff committee will be releasing their first set of rankings. So I will start next this upcoming week when those are released. Um I will post the rankings as soon as they come out Tuesday night. On Friday, we got some afternoon football between Iowa State and Texas and Notre Dame and versus North Carolina. Now, keep in mind, North Carolina's not that good, but I think this could be a trap game for Notre Dame with their undefeated season going. Game's in Chapel Hill. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, on Saturday, uh, three games to watch. Texas Tech versus Oklahoma State. Minnesota versus Wisconsin in the Battle of Paul Bunyan's Axe. And the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama. So, and then here's my Heisman race real quick. This is in no particular order. But I've listed four players who I think at the moment are getting the call to New York. Or virtually. For the Heisman ceremony. Right now I got quarterback Kyle Trask out of Florida. Quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Wide receiver Devontae Smith out of Alabama. And quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Now, I'm going to maybe change it up next week. But those are my four for now that I would pick. If I were a Heisman voter. And then... Right now, my top four for the college football playoff. And then the two teams that come out next at five and six that have a shot to get in. Right now, at number one, I have Alabama. At number two, I have Notre Dame. At number three, I have Ohio State. At number four, I have Clemson. So right now, my playoff semifinals are number one, Alabama versus number four, Clemson. And number two, Notre Dame versus number three, Ohio State. My two right outside, number five, I have Texas A&M. Um, I was going to put Florida, but choosing between Florida and Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M actually defeated Florida earlier this year. Texas A&M's only loss, by the way, is to Alabama. And then at number six, I was really trying to pick between Cincinnati and BYU. Because I think one of those two teams is going to be right there. I think the committee is going to... They're going to favor Cincinnati a little bit more. But I think BYU, they they have the better resume. They Every team that they've played, they've pretty much dominated. I mean, they've played one ranked game. That was at Boise State. And they dominated them. It was like 51-17 to 17 on the road. Like, Cincinnati, they've played some close games. They've dominated some of their opponents. I just don't see the resume quite the same. And plus, BYU's 9-0. Cincinnati's played, I think, seven games. They're undefeated, too. they still got some games to play. And BYU's independent, so they're not in a conference. So that, that also makes it a little harder for BYU. I think BYU, they just, all like, just other dominance... To me, I think they look like the better team. Their quarterback play from Wilson has been tremendous. So, alright. Next segment, NCAA basketball. I'm going to 
brush through this briefly. There's not a whole lot going on right now, but the new season starts Wednesday, November 25th. Um, lots of games to be played. But here's uh, my three key games on Wednesday. And then I'm going to, there's a couple games between Thursday and Sunday that I'll highlight as uh, to keep an eye on or to watch. Wednesday, we've got, oh, you know what? Actually, real quick, the Ivy League canceled their season. So teams like Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, they're not playing. Princeton, not playing. Which, I mean, the Ivy League is the ones that actually started the whole tournament cancellation back in March and then like every other conference followed. I'm just glad nobody followed them around this time because they're showing that the Ivy League should not be ruled in college sports. Like, it's just... Oh, I just don't understand. There's eight small school teams in there that can't beat hardly anybody. I mean, Harvard has a couple good years here and there. Maybe Yale. But, like, they, 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 I mean, I understood. It was at the beginning of the pandemic, really, here in the U.S. And so, I understood. And then, Auburn, they're going to play basketball this year. But they have decided to self-impose a postseason ban at the end of the season due to uh, some team-reported violations. So, I mean, Auburn, they're going to play this regular season, but they don't really have anything to play for other than maybe some recruiting scholarships. And then our key games of the week. On Wednesday, number three, Villanova will play Boston College. Clemson will play Mississippi State. And I think an upset maybe alert, Liberty will take on Purdue in a small action tournament matchup. And number two, Baylor versus 18th ranked Arizona State. On Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, uh, afternoon basketball, number one Gonzaga will take on number six Kansas. That should be a tremendous game. I might watch that instead of the Lions game this year. On Friday, Auburn will take out number one Gonzaga. So Gonzaga going to play a couple days in a row. In fact, a lot of these teams are going to do that over the weekend. Like I said, Liberty, they're going to play four games in five days. I don't know what they're thinking. And they don't. And they're two small ter- like invitationals. So they're they're playing the, the second game each time where they don't even know who they're playing. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but that's a lot for them to play, and I think that's going to be a little hard on their uh, players. Let's see here. On Friday, Auburn versus number one Gonzaga. Seton Hall versus Louisville. VCU versus number 12 Tennessee. Watch out for VCU there. And Colorado versus Colorado State. Don't know how good those two teams are going to be, but they'll give it a shot. Saturday, Liberty versus South Carolina. I'm not sure how either one of those teams are going to be. LSU versus St. Louis. That will be interesting. Because I know St. Louis usually has a decent team in the Atlantic 10. But LSU, they got a couple incoming transfers. We'll see what happens. Notre Dame versus number 13, Michigan State. Good old football rivalry matchup in basketball. 
And on Sunday, the 29th, number two, Baylor versus Seton Hall. And number 14, Texas Tech versus 17th ranked Houston. Now, the AP poll released this top five this past week. And it shocked me a little bit. And number one, you got Gonzaga. No surprise there. Number two, Baylor. Okay, a little bit of a surprise, but they've had good teams. Number three, Villanova. No surprise. Number four, Virginia. A little bit surprised after how bad they were last year and not seeing too much improvements in their recruiting, but we'll see what happens. Number five, this one shocked me, but it shouldn't because they've got a really good basketball program. Number five was Iowa. I sit, I'm, I'm, I sit here and go, Iowa. Well, they do have that uh, center uh, Garza, who could have been a first-round pick this year, but decided to come back for another year of basketball at Iowa. And they had a pretty good recruiting class. So, yeah. It's just not a, a school you think of for basketball. It's Iowa. So, I mean, kudos to Iowa. And good luck to them on the season. Because I know the Big Ten is usually pretty competitive. Alright, the NFL. This one's going to be quick as well. Um, last night, Kansas City beat Las Vegas Raiders 35-31 with a touchdown pass with 28 seconds to go from Mahomes to Travis Kelsey to win the game. Uh, finishing off the win for the Chiefs to move the 9-1. and uh, Dallas defeating Minnesota. 31-28. Washington football team defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 20-9 with Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick, injuring his knee and supposedly giving a hint on Twitter yesterday as well that his season may be done. And it it, it was a really nasty injury. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if his season is over. Colts defeating the Packers 34-31 in overtime. Uh, Patriots fall into the Texans 27-20. The Browns losing to the Eagles for... Or, no, excuse me. The Browns beating the Eagles. <laughs> I was so prepared to say it the other way around. The Browns beat the Eagles 22-17. Their first win over the Eagles since 1994. And that's not even the modern-day Cleveland Browns. That is, if you take it to the modern teams, that would be the Baltimore Ravens. So, and those are only some of the games. Um, if you really want to hear more on your team, I didn't have too much time to work with this week. So, um, I'll hopefully have more next week on the NFL. Um, my Monday night football prediction between the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm taking the Rams over the Bucks, 31-23. In the playoff look, with the additional wildcard spot this year, so there's seven teams in each, each uh, conference. So the number one team gets a bye week, and number two, instead of a bye week as well, they have to play the number seven seed. So in the AFC, Pittsburgh is... Still the only undefeated team left, so they get the number one seed in the AFC. Number two, Kansas City would take out number seven, Las Vegas. Number three, Buffalo would take out number six, Cleveland. 
Number four, Indianapolis will take on number five, Tennessee. Now, reminder, we're still in like week 11 or week 12 coming up. So, I mean, we still have plenty of time. <laughs> so, things are definitely going to change. In the NFC, number one is New Orleans. They get a bye week. Number two is Seattle. They'll take out number seven, Arizona. Number three is Green Bay. They'll take out number six, Los Angeles Rams. Number four, here's here's the thing I want to talk about here. Num- they have Number four is Philadelphia, and they take out number five, Tampa Bay. Here's why I have the problem with Philadelphia is number four. I understand that each division, each division champion automatically gets a playoff spot. And that's how it should be. But I think to automatically give them a home game is ridiculous. And here's why. In last place in the NFC East, Washington football team is 3 and 7. The New York Giants are 3 and 7. The Dallas Cowboys are 3 and 7. The Philadelphia Eagles here. They have 3 wins, 6 losses and 1 tie. That one tie is literally the difference between a, a team who is potentially getting the number one pick and you winning the division. I mean, my Detroit Lions are four and six, and we're in like, like we're not even thinking about the playoffs. But the Eagles are three six and one. All four of these East Division teams have a shot at the playoffs, and each of them have only won three games. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I just don't understand it. Like, this is why... Like, because there's always that one bad division, but it's never been this bad. Usually, there could be a division winner at 7-9. and nine. It's, That's happened every few years. Um, I remember when the Seahawks did that, and then Marshawn Lynch had the Beast Quake... Incident where he took one home on the Saints and they beat the Saints at home. Like, kudos to them. Like, they actually beat a really good New Orleans Saints team. But, but to automatically give them a home game, though, like, that's just ridiculous. And I do have plenty of Philadelphia Eagles fans, so, and Dallas Cowboys fans that I enjoy hearing from. Like, people are like, oh, I can't stand Dallas Cowboys fans. Oh, I can't stand Eagles fans. Well, in principle, I can't stand them. <laughs> not not saying moral principle, but just like in general, when it comes to um, the stereotype of the Cowboys fan and the Eagles fan. But I actually do enjoy listening to them, because then it's really fun to go repeat it back to them six months later when you really need to. Like in the Super Bowl, when neither one of them is usually in there, Especially the Cowboys, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I actually want to keep my listeners. Um, real quick, a couple things I want to talk about Major League Baseball. Just a couple. Um, with the offseason being on and free agency not really started yet. Um, there's only a couple news, really. Robinson Cano of the New York Mets plays second base. 38 years old. Is suspended all of 2021 after testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs, which he will also have to forfeit his entire season salary, which was $24 million. 
Yeah, and how it works in baseball is the first offense is, I think it's an 82-game suspension or an 80-game suspension, something like that. The second suspension, if you get caught a second time, is the whole season, 162 games. The third offense is you're done for life. Like, Major League Baseball's not joking anymore. I'm sitting there like, Robinson Cano, you're 38 years old, and you're still taking PEDs? Like, this is the second time he's been caught. He gets caught one more time, he's not allowed to play the game anymore. At least at the Major League level. So, dumb decisions, because I still see players getting suspended here and there. Well, that one just came out this past week. And then... For my Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein resigned from the Cubs. He is the architect of the Chicago Cubs, bringing all these players in, all bringing all these youngsters in. He took the job in 2011 after coming over from Boston, after building that team as well, uh, winning their first title in 2004, first time since 1918, and getting the Cubs their first title in 2016 since 1908. This guy ought to be in the Hall of Fame right now. I mean, I'm not saying that because I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. But this guy is a pure genius of building teams from the ground. And here's the thing. He's only leaving the team because, frankly, he wants another challenge. It's not the Cubs. It's just that's just how he is. is he wants to do that again. He wants to do it a third time. I'm sitting there like, if I were the owner of the Detroit Tigers right now, like, I look at my front office staff, like, they haven't really changed much of the front office. Yeah, they cha- they they fired Dave Dombrowski in 2015 because Mike Illich was upset he tra- that he traded, like, three of his best players when he said not to. But they haven't done anything since. The guy who took over then... No, he hasn't gotten the free agents. He got like one in Justin Upton and then traded them away. That's the thing. He keeps maybe getting a player, trades them away. The Tigers have been bad for five years now. I'm also a Detroit Tigers fan. Um, It works because they're both, the Cubs are in the National League and the Tigers in the American League. So I've got a team for each league. They don't play each other often. It's cool. But my thing is, why not take a shot at bringing in Theo Epstein in Detroit? The Tigers haven't won a title since 1984. They've came close a couple times, World Series appearances in 06 and 2012. But it's just, they're not going anywhere. They've got all these prospects, but they don't bring anybody else in. I think Theo Epstein would change the game if you're Detroit. Alrighty, and for my final topic of the day, soccer. Now, I don't, I've never really talked much about soccer. <coughs> Excuse me. But, soccer was one of the first things that came back for sports other than NASCAR. Um, the English Premier League still had like eight games left on the season for each team. So what they did is in June, 
they they start playing behind closed doors and they finished by the end of July. And it was very entertaining because while uh, Liverpool FC in the English Premier League they had they won a title like with like six games left to go like that's the thing about soccer's other than in the United States they don't do playoffs in Europe or Asia or Africa it's just I that's why there's a huge emphasis on the regular season but. And to me, I was like, well, if somebody clinches the title with, like, five games to play, like, why are you playing? Well, it turns out the top four teams qualify for what we'll talk about later is the UEFA Champions League. The fifth-place team, the UEFA Europa League. Uh, European, like, competitions against other clubs of different leagues. I thought, that's cool. I don't know, but that's the thing. In the U.S., we, it wouldn't work that way because we don't really have anybody else to play other than our professional teams here. And so, but the way they they do their system when it comes to how the season ends is the bottom three teams in the league. This is common with many, many leagues in Europe. Is the three worst teams in the league get relegated to the league below them. While the three teams... Um, they that are in that that top the league below them get promoted. So, like in a sense, it's like if you take basketball, it's like the the team that got the number one pick that was uh the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's say they were the worst team in the league. They do a lottery system, so it's a little different. Let's say the Timberwolves are worst team in the league. Let's say we did that. They would get dealt relegated to the G League, and then whoever won the G League got promoted. That would be interesting, but we don't do that in the U.S. We like our establishments and stuff like that. Whereas, like say here in England, like your whole team relies on that, and if you're a small market town, like you, your city relies on that as income, but. Enough about um, a little bit of the Premier League there. Let's get into some of these results on Saturday. The team I root for, Chelsea FC, defeated Newcastle 2-0. Also Tottenham, also knocked off Manchester City 2-0. Chelsea and Tottenham will play next Sunday in a key game where two of the top three teams are playing each other at the moment. Manchester United defeated West Brom 1-0, ending a six-game winless streak. I say winless and not losing streak because draws are very common in England. On Sunday, Leeds United drew against Arsenal 0-0, so 0-0. Liverpool defeated Leicester City 3-0 in a big game there. The top five teams, or the top four teams, excuse me, Currently in the English Premier League, it's Tottenham Hotspurs at the top of the table. Um, number two is Liverpool. Also, there the the difference there is goal differential. That's a tiebreaker there. Number three is Chelsea FC, and number four is Leicester City. And it's all neck and neck so far. But I look at the standings; they've played like nine games each. 
They play 38 games in the league. That's not including competitions like the UEFA Champions League, which is a all-continental game uh, tournament. Or in England, they have two league tournaments that go on during the season. The the English Football League uh, Carabao Cup, which that's going on right now. And then later in February, they'll start up the the FA, the Football Association uh, Emirates Cup. So potentially, if you're that good, your team could win three tournaments in your own country. That's a lot of silverware they get. All right, and then my my uh, so a lot of. When it comes to games there, they like to say, instead of player of the game, it's the man of the match. So here's my man of the week. Uh, it's Dominic Calvert-Lewin out of Everton, who scored two goals on Sunday in a 3-2 win for Everton at Fulham. And then, now we'll, we'll bring up the UEFA Champions League. Now, the UEFA Champions League is a tournament that's played all over Europe. Um... England, France, Spain, Portugal, Germany, Austria. Now, leagues like like uh, the English Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, and then the one in France, I don't remember the name of that one at the off the top of my head. So I think it's England, France, Spain, and Germany. These four leagues, I think they each get four teams in. It used to be just the league winners of all the clubs in uh, all the leagues in Europe, but I think they wanted to make it a little bit more competitive, and so they they did that a while ago. And then other leagues, they get their top team in there, or if they if it's a lower league, like I was playing FIFA on my PlayStation, trying to learn the process from a different league's perspective. I played as a team that won their league in Ireland. And I had to go for your qualifications to get in. So there are some leagues that still win their league title. They still have to... They have to qualify. Because, I mean, frankly, there's so many leagues. But, I mean, soccer is the biggest game in the world. Or as they like to say, football. So... But yeah, so pretty much when it comes to the UEFA Champions League, how it works is they play a round-robin tournament where you're paired up in groups of four. There are eight groups of four in this tournament, so 32 teams. Each team gets to play the other team in their group twice, one at home and one on the road. So for example, in Group A, we have Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid. So Bayern Munich out of Germany. Atletico Madrid out of out of uh, Spain. Lokomotiv Moscow out of Russia. And Red Bull Salzburg out of uh, Austria. That's just for an example. Um... So how it work is they will each get a home game against each other. They'll play one time a week. How it works is how it worked 
to start the tournament was they just played three weeks in a row, where it's like Tuesday or Wednesday they play each other. One game. They took the last couple weeks off, but they start back up on Tuesday this week. Um, and they'll play the next three weeks to decide the top two teams in each group get to advance to the knockout stage, which will be how it work is the round of 16 will be each gets a home game against the other opponent. So one at home, one on the road. And basically you just add up the results. Like say if um, Manchester City was playing Dort- Borussia Dortmund. If Dortmund won the first game on the road at Manchester City 2-0. They have a 2-0 advantage entering the next game. So, like, if Manchester City wins the next game 1-0, Dortmund advances based off of that tiebreaker. Aggregate scoring is how they do it. Um, Which, I always thought that was weird, but I kind of like it because then you have to play well both games. Like, you act like... I watched the game between Chelsea and Bayern Munich last, uh, last summer. And entering the game, because they played the first game back in, like, February. They were about to play the second game in March, and then everything got shut down. So they didn't play the second game till like, August. But Bayern Munich won the first game 3-0. So I'm sitting there like, okay, so Chelsea's got to, like, win this game 4-0 or 5-1. Because it was also a home event. No, they were on the road at Bayern Munich in the second game. I think another tiebreaker is who scores the most road goals. Well, Bayern Munich, I think, won the second game as well, like 4-1. to one. So, in the two games, it was 7-1. to one. And, yeah. So, so yeah. And then they, they do that for the quarterfinals, which is around round eight. The semifinals, they do that as well. The final, they play one game. Uh, that That's a good thing. Um, and they play usually the semifinals and the final at an alternate location. Um, which I'll explain that in a little bit. So, how it will work is... Right now, um, you, you can look up the group standings because nobody's really taking a huge lead. The only group I can look at at the moment that's got an actual like decent lead is in Group E... Uh, Chelsea FC and Sevilla FC both have seven points. Wins are three points. Draws are one point. Losses are zero. They both have seven. And uh, Ren and Krasnodar. Ren is out of France. Krasnodar is out of Russia. They each have one point. And with three games left, they've all played. And that's the thing. In all these groups, everybody's played it each other at least once already. So they're basically starting round two of this on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, so pretty soon we're going to get teams that will actually be clinching their their spots. So my games of the week when it comes to the UEFA Champions League. On Tuesday, I will be personally watching Ren versus Chelsea at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Also at that time, Krasnodar and Sevilla will play each other. Most games are at 3 o'clock on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, 
Let's see here. Manchester United just coming off of a loss to Istanbul. Um, I cannot pronounce the second part of their name, but the team in Istanbul. They, um, Istanbul won 2-1 to for their first ever UEFA Champions League win. Um, three weeks ago, and they're playing each other again. So, we'll see what happens there. See if uh, Istanbul can do it again. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain um, will also play Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, and yes, there are a couple teams with the name Red Bull in it. Um, the company actually, I think, owns four teams. Three of them are in Europe. They own the New York Red Bulls as well in the United States. Uh, speaking of Red Bull, um, Bayern Munich will take on Red Bull Salzburg. Inter Milan will take on Real Madrid on Wednesday. Oh yeah, Bayern Munich and RB Leipzig is also Wednesday. And let's see here, and Liverpool and Atalanta will also play each other on Wednesday. Those are kind of the key games. That's not all the games. Those are some of the key games this week. Um, as the Champions League will continue. Um, the only ways you can watch it in English, the only way you can watch it in English is on CBS All Access here in the United States. Um, you can watch it in Spanish on Telemundo, I believe is either Telemundo or, uh, I, I think that's what, I think that's what it is, is in Spanish. You can watch it on there, and I think it's like a couple select games. I haven't personally tried it, because I was already using CBS All Access, uh, for other TV shows, so I mean, your regular CBS All Access subscription, it works. So if you're interested in watching the games in English, that's the way to do it. They also upload highlight videos on their YouTube page on the for the UEFA Champions League, so you can watch like a 10-minute highlight video of each game. So you don't have to sit there and watch, because as like, as like my dad always says is, uh, Soccer is the most boring game. How can you have so many people on the field, so big of a goal to go to, and you can't score a goal? <laughs> well, it's a lot more complicating than that, but, I mean, he, he's not wrong. <laughs> so, but yeah, so soccer has become, for me, a huge, because uh, I'm, it's, I don't know how to say, like, I remember when I was a Bible college student, we had a lot of international students who, they enjoyed the game of soccer. I just didn't understand it because, frankly, I never watched soccer as a kid, really. Like, I'd watch clips here and there, but it was never that interesting. But, after I got out of the Word of Life, I had a Bible college... I'm si- I'm sitting here like, well, it might be easier to connect with some of the international students in this area, which has not really worked at all. But I mean, it's something that where like I can, it's something to talk about. Like I was just at a wedding last week, where one of my friends who's from South Korea, we got a nice topic about the the Premier League. Turns out he's a Tottenham fan. Um, I'm a Chelsea fan, which apparently he was just telling me that they're 
actually like huge rivals against each other in London. So <laughs> we had a nice laugh about that. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's on a, like, I'm still learning the game. I'm not an expert by any means at all. Like, I'm still trying to learn how an official decides yellow card, red card, stuff like that. I'm getting better at it. The offsides rule is a little weird, but I'm getting used to it. But, I don't know. Soccer has just been, lately it's been very entertaining for me. Like, it's, honestly, I remember, um, during the 2014 FIFA World Cup, like, I didn't watch soccer before that. I had tongue surgery, couldn't talk for a week. And, <laughs> the way it got me in the soccer a little bit, was a little bit of a stepping ground right there, or stepping stone, um, was, there's nothing else on in the afternoons. And the World Cup was on. I was like, okay, I'll watch a little bit. It was a little interesting. I liked the whole Olympics thing. And it wasn't the Olympics. It was the World Cup. But I thought, well, it's got like that feel for it. The, for the Olympics. So I, I pretty much watched uh, the rest of the tournament. As they were finishing up the group stage at that point. In the FIFA World Cup. But it wasn't until when I was at Bible College I found out that there was this 18-year-old kid. I was 18 years old at the time. This 18-year-old kid out of Pennsylvania playing in Germany. Christian Pulisic. Who was just, he was playing well. And then eventually I was like, well, I think we'll watch this kid a little bit. And this is maybe a year later. I was like, okay. I want to root for a team in England. And then I found out he's being transferred to uh, Chelsea. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm just going to watch when he plays. It's like, even if, if, if he didn't start a game, I didn't watch the game. This is the following season, so this would have been last fall. I think, somewhere around there. Last fall or last, uh... Yeah, it would have been last fall or last summer, something like that. But, eventually, it grew into, like, I started, it was like, oh, he should have made that. Oh, like, all that. And then eventually, I was room for the team, like, maybe a month, maybe two months later. And so, I'm still a new fan, but I've been enjoying watching their games. I now keep track of who's coming in, who's coming out for that team. I know in the soccer world, they don't do trades necessarily necessarily like we do here in the U.S. Um, which, if you're an NBA fan, I apologize. I'm not bringing the NBA up because, frankly, there's so much that went on this past week when it came to acquisitions and stuff like that. I'm going to have to leave that for another time. But, frankly... The way it works is you pay the team a fee that you that you want like in a sense buy the player from, and then if they accept the fee, then you can negotiate a new contract. Of course, the team or the player doesn't have to move on. 
So, that usually works. Like, Chelsea, this past summer, picked up this kid from Germany who's 21 years old. They paid, what was it, I think 73 million pounds, which in U.S. dollars is like almost 95 million dollars. And then plus there's add-on fees for like how many games he plays, if they win, like if they qualify for the Champions League next year, or if they uh, win the Premier League, stuff like that. Like there's, so it could potentially go up even more, up to like 120 million euros. So, it it's been interesting learning about that. Um, and then in January, the new transfer window opens up. They only have a limited time to do that. The whole month of January, the window's open. Um, so. And then it closes back up, so you can't make that transfer once February 1st hits. So, yeah. So, that's that's my uh, that's my talk on soccer for that. Um, before I go, I'm going to bring up this week's trivia question of the week. The question will be posted on my Instagram page, um, at wool underscore island ref. Um, the link will be, well, frankly, like, you, you can just go to that. Um, you can go to my Facebook page. It should also be connected there. Um, but on my Instagram page, I will post in the story, the trivia question with the options to select from. And you'll get the answer right there. So this week's trivia question of the week and this is going to come in the soccer world. It's uh, in the year, in this year's 2020 UEFA Champions League final, which was on August 23rd. Bayern Munich defeated Paris Saint Germain 1 0. The trivia question of the week is Where was the game played? It is either A. Paris, France. B. Lisbon, Portugal, C. Istanbul, Turkey, or D. Moscow, Russia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Stats Matter podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Gounder. Come back next Monday for another episode.